Thanks. Hi there, welcome to Mama Slash Chat. Great. <laughs> I try to start these videos in the most awkward moment possible. Hi. <laughs> terrible. How are you, John? Absolutely terrible. I'm very well, thank you. I, uh, you're you're good at awkward, though. You do awkward well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very well. Um, yes. uh, yeah, so we last video we did a little overview of Joel. You helped us out with yeah. like, thinking through the book of Joel co like uh, comprehensively. Why it's an important book, uh, how Joel is using this Old Testament passage, this Old Testament event of a locust swarm to describe the coming day of the Lord and how it's going to function. Uh, and then sort of that sort of brought up a question. Yeah, it brought up the question as to um, the Apostle Peter preaching in Acts yeah. 2 and actually using uh, Joel chapter yeah. 2 to talk about uh, something that was happening in their midst, yeah, right? Totally. He's preaching, and it was right after Pentecost. People have received the Spirit, yeah. and now he's preaching, and he's seeing some changes around him. So yeah. can you help us out with that? Yeah, so that's well, this is one of the most hotly debated texts uh, in mm -hmm. the New Testament, I think. And I think for good reason. It's very complex, actually, what's happening there. Uh, but before we get there, we want to read it in its context in Joel. So in Joel chapter 2, what's happening? Well, you described to us last time, the nation of Israel is going to repent. Mm -hmm. And that repentance and that return, that word return is very important, repent and return. Mm -hmm. uh, that language of returning is what actually unlocks the blessings of God mm -hmm. on the nation of Israel. And so in chapter 2 of Joel, starting in verse 18, you have God being zealous for his land, having pity on his people, and then pouring blessing out on the nation of mm. Israel. And part of that blessing starts in verse 28, and it's a description of the Spirit of God being poured out on the nation of Israel. Mm. Now, it's, now, the translation in the New, New American Standard says, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Mm. Uh, the actual word there is flesh. I think it's better to take that as the pouring out of the Spirit on the children of Israel. Mm. And the reason why is because of the pronouns that follow. It says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your yeah. old men will dream dreams, yeah. your young men. So literally what he's saying is every single person in Israel is going to have the Spirit. And every one of those people, male, female, everyone, all the way down to the slaves... Every single one of those people will be walking in the Spirit and will know the Lord. So yeah. the whole nation, from the richest, oldest person to the youngest, poorest person, is going to know the Lord together, corporately, uh, in Israel. And that is going to be the fruit of God's blessing on the nation. So when did that happen? Well, then in verse 30, you have these descriptions of cataclysmic events, yeah. that, which you explained to us last time. The, the wonders in the sky, blood, fire, columns of smoke, the sun turned to darkness, moon to the blood, and it's the day mm. of the Lord. Well, when Peter quotes this in Acts chapter 2, it's very interesting. He doesn't say, he doesn't say uh, that this is going to happen in the future, uh, which is why this is such a tricky passage. In Acts chapter 2, if you remember, we have Pentecost, and the, the disciples receive the Spirit as promised by Christ. And what, they, what they're doing, they, they start to speak in tongues. And the people of Israel come around because it's, the, it's a feast day. And people from all around the Roman world have come together into Jerusalem, the Jewish people from all around the Roman world, and they're hearing their native language mm -hmm. spoken to them. All these people spoke Hebrew because they had to, because uh, they're Jews, and they're coming together to worship. But they hear their native tongue being spoken, of by, being spoken by these apostles. And they say, oh, these men are drunk. Mm -hmm. Well, Peter stands up and he gives this sermon and he says, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And he says, and then he quotes this passage in Joel chapter two. And what he tells them is Jesus is the Messiah and that he is now the one who's going to, who is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, why do we say that? Well, because if you just, if you just read the flow of thought here, what Peter says is this is Joel two happening. And now 
brothers, you need to repent. In fact, mm-hmm. if you read down through in verse 37, he in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel yeah. know for certain that God has made him, that is Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Mm-hmm. So God has made him, the Messiah, the nation, the people who are listening to this are pierced to the heart. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and who are for all who are far off, that is Jews who are scattered, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So he says the promise of the Spirit. Well, where was the Spirit promised? Well, that is Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. So what Peter's saying is the promise of the Spirit is for you if you'll repent. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we have the exact same language in Joel, right? Joel says the nation repents, God pours out the Spirit. Peter says you're watching the Spirit being poured out. Now you repent and you'll receive the Spirit as well. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. the promise. Well, why do we say that that's about the restoration of the kingdom? Well, there's two reasons. One is before Joel, uh, before Acts 2, and the other is after. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when Jesus is about to ascend, it says, When they came together, the disciples were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, a lot of people say, well, the disciples are idiots. They're still just looking for the kingdom. That's not the case. If you read Luke chapter 24, God has already opened their minds to understand yeah. how the Old Testament talk about him. So these these men are not fools just looking for a, just looking yeah. for a kingdom for Israel. Their ex, their expectation that the kingdom would be restored is based on a knowledge of the Old Testament that God has miraculously given to them. Christ has miraculously given to them. And Jesus' answer is very telling because in mm. verse 7 it says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times of the epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Mm. So what's interesting is he says, Look, he doesn't say, No, 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 guys, you don't understand. It's not about the kingdom. It's none of those things. This is all already fulfilled. Uh, I died. I rose again from the dead. Uh, the kingdom's done. And we're not worried about Israel anymore. We're going to the Gentiles. None of those things are come out of his mouth. In fact, he actually he doesn't even contradict the question. In fact, he just says, I'm not going to tell you when yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. So their expectation is at some point in the future, God is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And the sign that that's going to happen is the spirit has come. Mm-hmm. So when he tells the Jews in Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> listen, the promise of the spirit is for you if you'll repent. He's actually just using Joel 2 in its immediate context and saying, guys, look, this could be the day of the Lord if you will turn and repent. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he says the exact same thing in Acts chapter 3, his second sermon. Now, in Acts chapter 2, you have 3,000 people get saved. In Acts chapter 3, he preaches another sermon, 5,000 people get saved. So their expectation at this point is that that this is actually happening. God is saving the nation of Israel. And he says in Acts chapter 3, it's remarkable, in Acts chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance in killing Christ, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that is, Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So all those things, all those prophecies about the death of Christ have been fulfilled. And then he says, verse 19, super important text. Therefore, repent and return yeah. so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He says, you need to repent and return. Exactly the same language mm. of Joel. Yeah. And he says, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And then verse 20, he says, and he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed to you, whom heaven must receive mm. until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth mm. of the holy prophets from the ancient times. What does he say? Literally, he says, God will send Jesus if you repent and yeah. turn to him, which we would expect and which Peter should expect because of the reading of Joel. Yeah. 
So Peter's read Joel, and he's had his mind opened by Christ, and he knows the Spirit has come. This is the beginning of the ingathering. He's preaching to the people and saying, guys, if you repent and return, God will send Jesus. He will come and establish the kingdom now. It's an amazing statement, and he's right. This is not a confused Peter. It's not like, well, I just want the kingdom again. Like he was prior to the death and resurrection of Christ. So he is actually using the Old Testament, quoting it, telling us what's going to happen if the nation turns and repents. So does the nation turn and repent? Well, obviously not, because we're yeah. still sitting here. Yeah. But what 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 stops this from happening? We well, have at least 10,000 people saved. But if you just look forward in Acts chapter 4, it's really interesting. Peter preaches to the leaders, mm. right? In verse 5, it says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes are gathered together in Jerusalem, and he preaches to these people. Verse 10, it says, Let it be known to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, and this is very important, which was rejected by you, the builders, which has became, which became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. So what does he say? He says, you guys, you leaders have rejected. And then he calls them to repentance. Mm. Okay, so he's calling them to repentance. Do they repent? Well, obviously not, Mm. right? Because we find out in Acts chapter 7, as the church is still remaining in this place, in Acts chapter 7, what do they do? The leaders kill Stephen. Mm. And in killing Stephen, what have they done? They've rejected... They've rejected the offer that's been made to them of repentance and return. Mm-hmm. They they reject they killed Stephen, and it shows that their hearts are hard, just like the Old Testament Jews' yeah. hearts were hard. And so, what's and Stephen says as much. Stephen says, actually you know, says your, literally yeah, that <laughs> your, your parents killed. You know yeah. who are your your fathers killed all the prophets. Exactly, you're Which stiff one, necked yeah. just yeah. like your father. Yeah, exactly. So he he actually tells them, "You guys are just like the Old Testament yeah. covenant, Old Old Testament Jews. You guys are rejecting the promise that's made to you." And then what happens in Acts chapter eight? You have the gospel going to Samaria, yeah. and then Acts chapter nine, you have the conversion of Paul, the apostle yeah. to the Gentiles, and Acts chapter ten, you have the conversion of Cornelius, yeah. and the gospel then goes from Israel outward. Mm-hmm. And so what's what's happened there? Well, God has begun this promise to the nation of Israel. He he shows that the spirit is moving and thousands of people get saved. They're gathered together in the temple waiting the return of Christ. And instead of that continuing, it stops. Mm-hmm. Well, why does it stop? Well, we find out from Isaiah 55 and other passages that it it stops from Israel's repentance because God has a plan to grow the church. Mm-hmm. So he's going to do that. Does that mean that that Joel chapter 2 is actually fulfilled in its completion in Acts chapter 2? And the answer, very simply, is no. no. It's the beginning of that, but it's not the fullness of that promise. It's the start of it, but the nation turns and rejects it. Until the nation repents, the promise of Joel 2 won't be fulfilled completely. We know that from the context of Joel, and even from the context of Acts, read in a wider context. So that's Peter's intention. That's how the text is being used. And so we should be looking ahead and saying a time will come when the nation of Israel will repent. Every single one of them, man, woman, and child, all the way down to the slaves, Mm. God will fill them with his spirit, and then he will bless them. And that will be the end of the world at the day of the Lord. And we see that actually in Zechariah, as we talked in our last yeah. video. Zechariah yeah. chapter 12, verse 10. They're going to look on Christ. Everyone will know him from the least of them to the greatest, he says in the New Covenant text in Jeremiah 31, and that God will pour the Spirit out on the nation, and they will in mass turn and repent and turn to Christ. It is incredible. I mean, what, you, what you're sharing, and even Jesus, as he said in uh, in Acts 1, yeah. that he basically gives him the, the blueprint. He yeah. tells him, Hey, you, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, which yeah. they were, Judea, obviously, yeah. 
Samaria. I mean, you can follow that yeah. chapter by chapter, and then even to the remotest part of the earth. Yeah, which is that's what Paul takes. Right? Yeah, that's where Paul which goes. is incredible. And it's fascinating because you have this initial movement in in Israel. They're all yeah. Jews. Yeah, and everyone has a problem that Gentiles are getting saved. Yeah, that's not because they're racist. Yeah, it's because they their expectation is that Jesus is going to fulfill the promises in Joel too. Yeah. And they don't realize that the rulers have now have now rejected yeah. the, the promise of the gospel and the promise of the spirit. And when the rulers reject the promise of the spirit, God closes off yeah. that that gift to the nation of Israel and opens it up to Gentiles so that now yeah. Gentiles can participate and be saved. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it's very complex. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I hope that's helpful yeah. for you. Uh, we're going to do some others on these uh, New Testament use of the Old Testament texts. Mm-hmm. I think they're helpful at times. Yeah. And so uh, particularly as we go through uh, uh, Jonah yeah. and then also in Micah, there's some other ones that are yeah. very complex. So I yeah. uh, hope these are helpful for you. If you have any questions, you can always uh, reach out at info at faithbibleoc.org. Thanks so much.